ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. So I've said time and time again, Stewie's our coach, contracted for this year and next year, does a good job, he'll be contracted well into the future. That is Sun CEO Mark Evans, less than a week ago, spin forward to today, and Stuart Jew is gone as the club's coach. The Gold Coast is home to a notoriously transient population and that's been particularly evident in the area's coaching ranks across AFL and NRL this year. In a region known more for influencers than footballers, how do the Suns be their best self and go from surviving to thriving? Is triple premiership mentor Damien Hardwick the answer to that question? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. John Ralph is a senior football writer for the Herald Sun. Ralphie, the Gold Coast Suns have sacked Stuart Jew. Why have they decided to move him on now? Yeah, Patrick, have you ever seen a coaching sacking that's not unbelievably messy? It certainly was for the Suns and they botched it as they probably have done a lot of things over the last 12 or 13 years of their short existence. When they did extend him last year, midway through 2022, uh, a lot of people said that, well, he must be their coach for the long term. But I think that was a leap of faith. You know, they thought they had the elite playing list. They weren't sure about their coach, but they gave him one last chance. And at that stage, it was very clear to them that he needed to play finals this year for him to secure his future. It's why his coaching contract was stacked with the kind of get-out clauses that will allow them to minimise his payout, probably as little as $300,000. So in the end, when they sacked him this week at a board meeting on Monday night, it was clear that they hadn't progressed significantly from last year. Uh, this time last year, we were better placed in wins and particularly in percentage. So it feels like there is a gap between us and the best in the competition. A challenge was laid down for these plucky sons, but tonight on the Gold Coast, been a total... Solar Eclipse as the Magpies flex their premiership muscle. That had some improvements in their playing stocks. You know, really exciting you know, players like Bailey Humphrey had come through in their first year. Charlie Ballard's probably an All-Australian this year. But apart from that, they just didn't feel like they were getting anywhere closer to the final series that they need to qualify for to show that they're not the, the basket case of the AFL. One thing is clear. We are absolutely determined to make the next steps for this football club. The, the steps that bring us to the success this club so richly deserves. And they're still costing $25 million. They're still only getting, let's face it, twelve or 13,000 fans to their Heritage Bank Stadium games. They're not significantly progressed from last year. And so even though the execution of that was bungled uh, over the last seven or eight days, I think the intent of it was, was absolutely correct. Ralphie, what does it say about the club that less than a week ago, Chief Executive Mark Evans steadfastly backed due? I think it shows that uh, leaks to an unsatisfactory degree. So once those leaks had come out, you know, I, I said that he was coaching for his career. Carolyn Wilson went further and suggested that he would likely be sacked. So once that happened, Mark Evans was in an invidious position. You know, he knew that people had leaked. He knew that they hadn't officially made a decision yet. Bob East, the club's chairman, was coming back from overseas and there was a board meeting um, last night. So he knew that, that they hadn't set in chain the motions to actually sack Stuart Jew. And at that stage, they were seven and eight heading across to Port Adelaide. Again, they didn't think that they would win, but they needed to give Stuart Jew the chance to try and coach his way out of this issue. So his options were to just allow Stuart Jew to do a press conference by himself when it would have absolutely torn, you know, the, the, uh, the fabric out of the football club, or to step up and to say that we're supporting Stuart Jew. You know, we think he's our coach, but as he said in that press conference... If the results don't come, will Jew be able to 
coach on next well, year? Come back and ask me if the results don't come. But for right now, let's ha- let's do everything we can to make sure the results can be as good as they can be. I think anyone who looked at that press conference would have said Stuart Jew's under massive pressure and Mark Evans is doing all he can to, to support him publicly, even though those leaks had occurred. All I can say is he's got my support to go and get on with the job and manage our players and our staff as well as we can. Uh, to see what performance we can get out of Port Adelaide and across the rest of the year. So a really mature football club doesn't allow those leaks, whether they come from the bootstarter or the player manager or the AFL CEO, whoever they came from, a really mature football club keeps it uh, in-house and then it's a little bit like a, a mafia hit. You just never see it coming. And yes, the coach is shocked and appalled, but the club makes what it believes to be the right decision. Gold Coast hasn't shown themselves to be the kind of club yet that, that can compartmentalise that. And so, so as a result of that, Stuart Jew will feel like you know, he's a martyr that, you know, that he, that he was a, a reasonable coach that didn't get the full support of the board. None of that should take away from the strong uh, mood from Mark Evans and Bob East at that press conference that, that they had significant issues in regards to them believing they could be a club that could play finals th- this year. There is a clear gap between where we currently sit and where our expectations lie. And a, the senior coach selection process will be solely designed to close that gap. And they had significant gaps in, in, in coaching expertise, which is why they moved on Stuart Jew. You talked about fabric of the club and everything you hear about Jew and his players suggests a deep connection. How would you expect the players to react to the departure? And do the Gold Coast run the risk of losing even more talent? I think the Gold Coast players will be shocked and appalled and angered. And I think they'll move on in about two seconds. You know, I know that those two statements might seem wildly apart, but you know, he did have a strong connection with those players. You know, he really was strongly behind them. He was very supportive. You know, and they were supportive of him. It's obviously an emotional time for for him um, and, and the club, and, and we understand that. And our, our thoughts are with him, and also what he's done for this football club. When have you seen ever in the history of the AFL a player storming out because the coach gets sacked? Especially when they would be very well aware that someone like Damien Hardwick, or maybe Chris Scott, or maybe. Ken Hinckley will come in and replace them. I think those players should feel like if the club had such significant reservations about his ability to coach them in the finals, I think they would be going to Mark Evans and saying, will you tell us why we sacked him? And I'm sure that Mark Evans would be smart enough to give them those answers. And they might think, OK, we're here to maximise our careers. We're here to get the best coaching that is humanly possible in the AFL. And we're here to win flags. And if the club didn't believe that Stuart Jew was the man, yeah, there's going to be some gnashing of teeth. But players are very capable of adapting and, and very quickly able to move on. And I know it's a storyline a lot of people will push, but I don't think it's a significant one that's going to see players walk out, given so many of them are, are contracted long term. Uh, the vast majority of our list is, is established and locked in. There will always be people come out of contract each year, but we're not displeased about the position of our list. The one that is out next year in Ben King, I think he's still likely to sign a two-year deal at about a million bucks and pledge himself to the club until the end of 2026. You talk about narratives that are going to get pushed. I think one that we'll definitely see is the fact that this level of volatility makes you wonder if they've already got the wheels in motion for someone else, specifically ex-Tigers triple premiership coach Damien Hardwick. How likely is it we see him at the Gold Coast Suns? What dominoes need to fall to make it happen? We can get these coaching gigs wrong. You know, so many people thought Adam Uze was going to be the coach of GWS last year until, of course, we saw that Adam Kingsley, you know, trumped him on the line. But I think in this case, two and two makes four. So Dimmer's overseas. His manager is well aware of the fact he wants to coach again. Mark Evans made clear, and I believe him, that the club hasn't made contact with Paul Connors to say, do you want to coach our club? But I think the one thing that has been misinterpreted is that, you know, he talked about being burnt out at Richmond. I think the reason he gave that as excuse is, is because the real reason 
reason was it just felt like he didn't want to outlast his welcome. He saw his great mate Alistair Clarkson do that and how messy that was at the Hawthorne Football Club when he signed one contract too many. So rather than saying, well, I don't want to do what Clarko did, the best coach of the modern era, you know, he used that line about being burned out. You know, within weeks he was already absolutely bored witless and looking for things to do. Yeah, it's been challenging, to be fair. It's funny when you get into a routine, like, you know, you sort of think about the, the one thing that footy does is really routine-orientated and, and all of a sudden you take that away and, yeah, it's amazing how quickly you, you enjoy the first couple of days and it's like, oh, what am I going to do now? So I'm sure by, you know, the, the end of a 10-week holiday, a couple of weeks in America and eight weeks in Europe, he will be absolutely chomping at the bit. I'd be lying if I said I couldn't see myself doing it. I, I love it. I, I miss it. I need a bit of time, but... I just love the game. And so the process there clearly would be that Paul Connors would be contacted by Mark Evans. He would express that his senior coach has some interest. Uh, This has now allowed us to uh, have some clear air to look at next steps. And that's a really important part of governance in any business to ensure that we set about a good process, a good system, good governance around the selection of our next senior coach. I'm sure they will, as I say, talk to Chris Scott and, uh, and the representatives of Chris Scott and Ken Hinckley, but I think something would have to go wrong for here for Damien Hardwick not to be the coach of Gold Coast next year. How would the industry, and specifically Richmond, react to Hardwick potentially fronting up and turning around to be at the Sun so quickly? I think there'd be some bloody-minded and churlish people who'd be upset, but I think that anyone who's seen the, the premierships at Richmond should have a bit of grace and humility and say, you know, what a great servant of the club he was. He bought him three premierships after, you know, that 37-year drought. And finally, to the Tiger Army. This one's for you! If anyone really wants to begrudge Damien Hardwick coaching at a new club, uh, you know, they'd have rocks in their head. Do some people say, oh, hang on, you should be coaching Richmond to the end of the year and you're off gallivanting across Europe? There's probably a few of those people. But smart football clubs work out, or the the coach themselves works out when the, the end date is there, and they move on. And if Dimmer wants to go up with the sun and sand of Gold Coast with his new partner Alex and with his three children, adults by now, so no real reason why he wouldn't move cities, I think they should just say that that's um, the next evolution of, of Damien Hardwick as a, as a football coach. Ralphie, it raises a broader question around the Gold Coast as a region. I mean, this is a question that sort of transcends AFL. It's relevant to rugby league, rugby union, soccer. No one's really been able to nail sport on the Gold Coast. This club's had heavy AFL support and investment. Why is it such a hard problem to solve? I think initially the way that they were set up with Travis Old as their chief executive who was then, you know, stolen by the AFL. They brought in a, you know, a really fantastic person in Guy McKenna as their senior coach, but maybe Guy would realise they didn't set them up well and maybe Guy wasn't the right person. And then they started the doom loop where, you know, so many of these elite young kids were just either poached by Victorian clubs or offered massive contracts, which Gold Coast had to match. And so they never really got it right from the start. They had a stadium that didn't have a great stadium deal, so they didn't make money. So then they were under pressure financially. So many just little decisions added up to to consequential ones. And I think what Jonathan Brown, the Brisbane legend, would say is that you can avoid controversy, but also avoid the the, the fury of, of expectation there. You can have a terrible loss and you just, you know, the next day you go to a lovely recovery session down at Broadbeach and then you just spend your day as you would. Whereas in Melbourne, you know, that white-hot fury of sometimes the media and sometimes, you know, just your fan base makes you realise how important winning games of football are. So they've been on easy street a little bit there. That has been an issue for some of those players, that you can coast, whereas you can't coast if you're a Victorian side that's got a two- or three-game losing streak. So all those things have added up to this club being a, you know, a money pit for the AFL, you know, a very mediocre AFL side. I think for the first time, if they can get Damien Hardwick in there with a, let's face it, an absolutely elite star-studded group of young kids, I think they'd be going in the right direction.
John Ralph, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Cheers, Patrick. Headlines. Ange Postacoglu press conferences can generally be a collection of good one-liners, so we were intrigued to see his first one in charge of English club Tottenham. Unsurprisingly, the main point of interest was whether or not the former Socceroos boss can hold on to star striker Harry Kane, who's the source of a reported $130 million transfer offer from German club Bayern Munich. Question three, and it was Harry, was it? Okay, uh, we were running a pool with the coaches, I think... Uh... I think Millet Yednak won, actually. I had, I had over six because I thought you'd care more about me than, than Harry. But, um, you know, I want him involved here. My conversation with, with him will be about how we can make this club successful. And I've got no doubt that that's, he, that's what he wants as well. Postacoglu's not giving up. Are you across the cricketing hairdresser hijinks out of England? It goes something like this. Alex Carey goes for a haircut at a barber in Leeds. It's cash only. And who carries hard currency in 2023? Not Carey. So he says, I'll transfer you the money. A couple of days pass. No money is exchanged. Alistair Cook, former English cricketer, now BBC commentator, attends the same barber who told him the tale. The English great went live with the story on the BBC. Only problem is, it was not Alex Carey. He hasn't had a trim in weeks. Turns out it was another squad member who has since sorted the bill out. Cricket Australia is not saying who was involved because who needs that scrutiny? The strangest part of the story, maybe, is the barber asking Aussie cricket fans to hold off with negative online reviews as it's hurt his Google rating. This is a thing that actually happened. The world of Ashes cricket, it's weird, it's wonderful. Tennis and 16-year-old Mira Andreeva was the young talent that had Wimbledon buzzing when she looked on track to make the quarterfinals leading 25th seed Madison Keys 6-3-4-1, but that lead evaporated. And the Russian sparked debate after she was Dr. Point trailing 5-2 in the deciding set of the match. She had stretched for a ball and in the process lost her balance and then her racket. It could have been a throw. It could have been a throw. Depends on how you see it. Anyway, the umpire slapped her with a code violation. That meant match point. She never recovered. It was tough to watch as she left the court in tears, but at just 16 years of age, you feel like there'll be more chances to shine. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. A reminder, if you want to help the pod, do us a favour, rate us, review us, subscribe to us, tell a friend, tell your neighbours. It all adds up and helps. Thanks to the Dylan Friends podcast and Channel 9 for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.